Welcome to Advent, season 2022, episode three. If you were expecting six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus, I'm sorry. There's been a plot twist. We have fast forwarded. We are in the middle of Jesus's ministry. We actually have an old character making a reappearance, uh, but he's off screen. Uh, he had some scheduling conflict. He's in prison. Of course, I'm talking about John the Baptist. And for a refresher course, because it's been like eight chapters since he said anything, let's look back at who John the Baptist is. So John the Baptist is this strange man who lives in the wilderness. He eats locusts and honey. Okay. Um, but he's known by everybody because he is a prophet of God. He is nationally known. The people in power know him because he keeps making fun of them, and the lower people know him because he is calling people to repent. He is restoring this prophetic tradition in Israel. There has not been a prophet in Israel for 400 years. And we're even told how he dresses, which the Bible doesn't really do that all that much. We're told he wears hair clothes and a leather belt, which we happen to know is also how Elijah dressed. So he is the full picture of a prophet. And his message that he's preaching is repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And he's not pointing to himself. He says that there's going to be somebody greater than me, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one of God. And he says, he will not, I will not even be worthy to hold his sandals. And then Jesus comes walking up. And he's like, that's him. That's the Messiah of God. He is the great one who is anointed to help save Israel. And Jesus comes up to him and it's like, John, you got to baptize me. And John's like, I just said I can't touch your shoes. What are you doing? And Jesus is like, just, just trust me. There's a rhythm. It'll work. Just go with it. So John's like, oh, I mean, well, I guess I have to listen to you if I just said you're the Messiah. So he baptizes him, and he gets God's stamp of approval on his lifetime of ministry. God's audible voice speaks out, This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. And a dove descends, and the Holy Spirit is represented. John has just done his job. Happens to be that Jesus is going to take it over. Jesus from there, goes out into the desert, spends 40 days. Great story. Check it out. Probably in a later episode. And he comes back and he starts preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He has taken over John's message. But instead of pointing at someone else, he's saying, it's me. I am starting the kingdom. I have brought the kingdom here. So why, in today's text, did John ask Jesus, was I right? I mean, I remember the audible voice of God saying I was, but something feels off. And only two, really th two main things have changed. One, John is in prison. He was actually arrested before Jesus started his ministry. King Herod had uh, gone to Rome and 
convinced his brother's wife to come be his wife. And so John was like, ah, this feels like a freebie. That's sin. Uh, you shouldn't have done that. Uh, you're a bad guy. Uh, like, clearly you're not following the word of the Lord. And King Herod's like, okay, uh, let's take him out of the desert so people cannot listen to him and we'll put him in prison and I'll deal with that later. Now, that's not unusual for a prophet. I was talking to my wife earlier this week, and she put it like this. If you're a prophet and you don't, go, you don't get thrown in prison or killed, you're probably doing it wrong. Because prophets speak truth to power, and power rarely likes that. And there's a history of prophets doing this, speaking truth to power, being God's messengers, and then still being terrified or questioning God. Elijah on Mount Carmel calls down fire after mocking 400 prophets of Baal, and they all die because God kills them. And then he runs away to a cave because he's still scared of Jezebel, even though he literally called down fire. And he's like, God, I wish I could die because this is miserable. Jeremiah, he's got a book named after him. He wished he hadn't been born twice. We have plenty of Psalms that testify to feeling like they had been abandoned by God, even though they felt like they were living his word. But honestly, I don't think that's what it is for John. I think he was okay with being in prison. In the Gospel of John, he says, I must decrease and he must increase. So what else could it be? I think that Jesus is not living up to John's expectations. Back in Matthew 3, John tells us what he expects the Messiah to do. He says, I baptize with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Okay. And he will have his winnowing fork, whatever that is, and he will be separating the grain from the chaff, and the grain he will put into the granary and keep it safe, and the chaff he will throw into the fire, unquenchable fire. He thought Jesus would be more of this prophet speaking truth to power, really outright, like he was. Like, why wasn't Jesus calling out King Herod? That was the freebie. Thank you, D. <laughs> the rest of you, follow D. All right, there we go. So Jesus, what's Jesus doing? Jesus is less renowned, probably, than John was. He's in small villages, podunk towns. He's out in Ackworth instead of... <laughs> yeah, you know, that's where we live. People don't know him. He's, and on top of that, he's, he's not calling out sinners. He's eating with them. He, he literally made wine at a wedding. John hadn't been to a party, let alone a wedding or a drink. Jesus is this... He's the opposite of John in some ways. And we hear that later in this text, in, in the passage, in chapter 11. So John's asking him, like, what is the deal? This is not what I was expecting. And so Jesus answers him with Isaiah. John definitely knew his prophets. And he says, John, look. Well, he's telling his 
messengers. He's like, look, listen. The blind are receiving sight. The deaf are hearing. The lame are walking. The dead are being raised. That, you might not have thought that passage was referring to me, but it's clearly referring to the Lord. So it's me. I'm still doing my work. And then he says, Blessed is anyone who, that does not take offense at me. F. Dale Bruner says it like this, God bless you, John, if you don't throw the whole thing over because I am different. Jesus was not living up to John's expectations, but he was living up to the message of God. And so Jesus has just had this interaction with John's disciples. They go away. There's probably a crowd like this listening to Jesus, and they just heard John ask questions about who Jesus is. And they were like, we thought you guys were like, buddy, buddy, that happened 11, eight chapters ago. Like, we thought this was laid out. What's going on? And Jesus looks at the crowd, and he, he tells them. He's like, well, what did you think of John? Did you go out to see John because he was just some normal guy in the wilderness? Why would you do that? No one likes camping. Sorry, it's true. Or what, did you go out to see someone who was dressed nice in the wilderness? That would be a sight. That's always fun to see. No, those people are in courts. Did you go to see a prophet? Yes, you went to see a prophet. And not only that, the greatest prophet. He goes on to say that John is the greatest born of woman. Literally the best dude in the world. He's the goat. But let's look at what John did compared to some of these other prophets that Jesus had just put him at the pinnacle of. Elijah didn't die. Feels like he topped that. I don't know how you're topping that one. Went up to heaven in a chariot. Jesus' Lambo came, picked him up, <laughs> took him to heaven. Okay. Uh, he also called down fire, like I mentioned earlier. You have numerous prophets who perform miracles. The disciples, who have constantly proven themselves to be imbeciles, also miracles. How is John beating these people? He literally was a weird guy sitting next to a river yelling at people. This feels like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, I get it. He lived a life I wouldn't want to live. It was very ascetic, you know, animal, like just eating the bugs and the honey. Like, that's really impressive. I'll give him that. But what was it that made John the greatest? Well, the only thing really different about him outside of his weird habits is his message. He was the prophet that pointed to Jesus. He was the prophet that was here when Jesus came. And he had the humility to go from the greatest prophet of all time to nobody in prison. That, that is astounding. And it's like, great, that's a great place to end it. We feel better about John now. But Jesus had done one of these, truly I tell you, which is always a bad sign. It is just like, you need to listen because you're going to think one thing, and then I'm going to hit you with this, and you're going to be very confused for the rest of the chapter. 
He says, John is the greatest born of women, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Awesome. Thought we were going to have an easy one this week. Now, we always remember the text of the greatest among you will be the servant of all. We never talk about this verse. We never say the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than the greatest born of woman, John the Baptist. How can that be? How can we be greater than John the Baptist? Well, it goes back to what made John the Baptist the greatest. It was his message. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, but you know what he never got to experience in his lifetime? The cross, the resurrection. The least in the kingdom of heaven has a fuller message about Christ than John was able to do in his lifetime. So how do we live into this greater than John the Baptist lifestyle? We share the message of Christ. What does that look like? Love your neighbors. Maybe it's going out after the service and getting a a package to take to one of our homebound and spending an afternoon with them. Maybe it's taking Christmas cookies to your neighbors. Maybe it's caroling, but almost 99% sure that's not it, unless you're Jim Bell. Maybe it's going down to a Christmas play for little kids, even if none of them belong to you, or your grandkids, because that would also count. Maybe it's mourning with those who mourn, especially during the holidays, because it's not easy for a lot of people. Maybe it's forgiving those who wronged you. Maybe it's giving a gift card to the, children at the children's village so that they can buy a Christmas present. Sharing this fuller message of God's love through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection begins with actions of love as much as it begins with words of its truth. So will you please pray with me? God, we thank you for the, the life of John the Baptist. We thank you for him preparing the way and launching Jesus into ministry. God, we thank you for the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Pray that you give us opportunities this Advent season to serve you and to love others, and that you, that we are able to be vessels of your love and truth, all we meet. In Jesus' name, amen.